Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Murder. Now Will, please tell me and tell all the fans of college football, not of you or me, that you got up, you got through your training and you are going to be fit and raring to go for your grand final on the weekend. I, I have, my friend, I have. So I've got through the training session. Uh, I would say with flying colours, what's the, with flying colour, maybe? Colour or maybe like tonal things yeah. rather than colours, just tones. Correct. Yeah, flying Browns tones, and let's go with that. And so, yeah, I've done enough, certainly there. Um, looking forward to it now. So the countdown is on. Perhaps the the nerves might start to settle in a little bit more now that it's real and now that I'm actually looking at uh, potentially taking part in the game. So excited for that. Uh, I think it's been all your support that's got me over the line here, Matt. Yeah, I mean, obviously very few people in the world really care about Iron Bank football, if we're honest, and there's bigger fish to fry right now. But I'm happy for you. I'm glad for you. You don't have many years left. I mean, this probably should be it for you and your hamstrings, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I know you want to bloody go around again and see if you can see if you can play this instrument one more time, but you're a bit, you've got a bit of John Farnham about you. Right? 50 you or 500. 50 or 500, whichever comes first, I think, needs 50? to be the aim. Yeah, age As 50. As in your age. Or 500, or 500 games. games. Whichever comes first. How many games have you played? You're well over 300, aren't you? No, I'm knocking on the door of 300, I reckon, next year. Although it's a shortened year this year, so maybe not even. Maybe two 280s. Oh, God. Yeah, and you're going to be an arrogant prick about that, and you're going to want to get to 300 as well. You, no, you do look, it for the milestone. The family's growing, mate. The... That's, that's what's important to me. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How did that cliche taste coming out of your mouth? Anyway, we've got a massive uh, episode to get to. I say it's massive. It's fucking not, actually. This week of college football is pretty mediocre, but we do need to get to some game previews. We've got um, a championship draft to get through. We've got bold predictions, and we're going on the punt again. See if Will can get himself out of a 10-unit hole to start the season. But firstly, we do have to hit some news. So let's do that. So the big news of the week is the Big Ten is back. Chancellors and school leaders met uh, late last week and have made the decision, and early again this week, my apologies, have made the decision that an October 24 start date is the time. And they are looking at eight games, I believe. Mash them all in back-to-back and a December 19th championship game, which ties in with the SEC as well. Yes. So I think it's an eight plus one from what I've read. They they might have the one out of conference available to them, even with that timeline. Uh, And it just so happens that that conference championship date falls what is it one or two days before the final playoff ranking so this move is very much getting them back in the picture for the college football playoff for season 2020 yeah absolutely and i mean the the big issue that already jumps to mind is that we've seen memphis pull the pin on a couple of games here. Houston have lost one. Teams have lost... I mean, Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma State was already postponed for a week. There are going to be games missed throughout the year and you can't imagine the, uh, the world that we currently exist in and certainly America and the, the landscape of the Big Ten at the moment is going to be able to get through nine weeks of college football scot-free and make sure they hit all their dates. So how many games do they need to be or to play to be considered legitimate chance for the the championship game? Like if Ohio State, I mean, that's the team that comes up. If Ohio State goes 6-0, 7-0, is that enough to um, unseat an 8-1 SEC team or something like that? Yeah, I mean, that's the first one we need to unpack here. So there's that issue that we thought it was hard enough back in the BCS era or the when we had the uh, playoff committee picking from teams that were playing the same amount of games and, and had a relatively even playing field there. Now we're going to have this added dimension of teams that have potentially only played 
a few a handful of games or a significant amount less than others that give you more opportunity to go through undefeated uh, but less opportunity to show out with a decent win so uh, it's it's going to be an absolute mess that uh, I'm not not happy to see it that that's how it's played out they had an opportunity to make this call first up they kind of went with it now they're backtracking and that backs us down in that alley and I'm not thrilled on that the other one that I think is definitely worth mentioning in this place is the amount of players in the Big Ten that have kind of opted out already that that have taken that opportunity uh, with the outage to say look I'm I'm not going to fuck around with this I'm getting myself ready for the NFL draft and they've made that decision there's a few big names already who've done that there that will certainly impact some of those programs that are vying for the top of the Big Ten and potentially a playoff berth and it's not possible from a legal standpoint, an NCAA standpoint, for these people to, or these players to be reinstated. They can be, but there's some circumstances around that. For those that don't know, for our Australian listeners out there, as soon as a college player signs with an agent, and I believe it's just the signing that needs to happen, but often with that, particularly for the high-profile guys, they get cash advances from those agents. As soon as that happens you are considered professional. You cannot re-enter the amateur ranks of the NCAA. So if they have signed with that agent, then they can't, you know, return to college football um, under that situation. So some players may have jumped early, but I mean, the Big Ten jumped early and now they're backtracking because of that pressure financially, politically, or whatever else is going on. And... I don't know how I feel about it. In some ways, I'm like, well, you kind of wanted the best of both worlds a little bit, which I understand. They wanted to get out in front of this thing and say, hey, look at us. We did the right thing. We've got player safety at the forefront of our minds. But then all of a sudden, money became a thing. They saw other conferences doing it well and getting through pretty pretty nicely and mostly unscathed from a COVID perspective. And all of a sudden, they are wanting to jump back in and, and be considered and be involved. And it's, I, I, it just doesn't look that great. I, I don't know. Is, is that a bias thing from my end? I don't know. But I just don't love it. It just doesn't have a great feel about it. And I don't know why. Because it feels like the Big Ten have played. I've talked out both sides of their mouth, I suppose. Absolutely. And, and now the focus starts to shift over to the Pac-12 as well. So there's some news starting to come out around potential options for them starting at the end of October as well. So that's one that we'll continue to monitor. Nothing official in that space yet, but that will be the next domino to fall. They seem to be fractionally slow on the uptake though, not from a, uh, because they're sitting around twiddling their thumbs, but they're just a little bit more hesitant uh, out West in terms of making decisions solely based on the financial side obviously the pac-12 doesn't have the money uh, investment that the big 10 or the sec does so um some interesting stuff there i don't really love it kind of i, I like that these three conferences soldiered on and and in some ways i feel like they deserved the credit for doing that and now it looks like the big 10 was is getting the best of both worlds now if it was another conference and they did the same thing i'd be like yeah whatever but just something about it doesn't rub me the right way. But hey, whatever, more college football is a good thing. More Justin Fields is a good thing. More Penn State, more Michigan, more Purdue football is what we want. So um, we will welcome them back lovingly once I get over that little grudge. Agreed with you. The only other piece of news that is very not newsworthy is Dylan McCaffrey, the brother of Christian McCaffrey in the NFL. I think brother. Um, at Michigan is the quarterback and he has opted out and will be transferring as he hasn't won the starting gig there, but he will move to another school, retain that year of eligibility that every NCAA player has got. Yeah, less of an opt-out, more of a fairly generic transfer here, I guess. Yeah. Uh, where he just lost that starting gig, so he's moving elsewhere in the search for playing time. All right, so that is pretty much it in the news and it feels like we are starting to get into weeks of college football. The grind is here all of a sudden and I don't know why I feel that. I mean, I was looking forward to this show. I think there's some okay games we can talk about, but your initial thoughts on this week's slate, uh, particularly with a lot of Big 12 teams having the week off. 
I think just before we jump into the game previews and, and the talk about here, I, I want to throw something out to our listeners. So you and I have talked off air around a segment that we had last year uh, aptly named The South Pole, which I thought was good gear every week. It sounds like you're talking about a dick. And that that catches the listeners. That, <laughs> okay. So we had The South Pole, and for those of you uh, who are long-time listeners of the show, I, I don't know how it went down, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I was going to do a... a certain type of uh ranking system again this year i was going to maybe potentially build out a bracket system the top team so if they just all did turn to shit we could send them in a bubble and i would have a fictitious bracket aaron has nixed it doesn't like it thinks it's a shit idea so i'm throwing it out to you guys if i can get proof of three listeners out there (laughs) aiming big mate Three listeners who can write into one of our social media accounts that I can screen grab, send to him and say, suck it, the people like it, then we'll bring it back. Otherwise, I'll crawl back into my hole. And, you don't uh, need three, you want one. You want one is what you want. I mean, I would love one, but I think three's a fair over under. <laughs> Shows how much engagement we're getting. Um, but I think that that is absolutely... I mean, fair, you can have it. You won't get that because it was a boring, self-indulgent, um, mostly narcissistic and really just... It had a lot of look at me, look at me about it. Um, you were effectively trying to tell us and tell the world that the AP poll, the Associated Press, the College Football Committee are not as good at you, as you, Will Murden, from thousands of miles away, are not as good at you as you at picking relative playoff teams. This is correct. If, if you're kind of coming at me with this as if I should, like, no, you spot on. This is a correct analysis of the situation. <laughs> okay. I don't see the issue good. with it. <laughs> well, you wouldn't. Um, but I'm, I'm glad we've that one has made its way to the cutting room floor because it really held no merit. It held no value in it. If anything, it was a progress stopper. Um, you know, you are you are you know Tom Brady in Tampa. We're not getting any better beyond this year because of that. Oh, so, whoa, pump the brakes. I mean, tough tough week one matchup. They'll be right. It's your bucks well, too. All right, let's yeah. move into this this slate of games. Uh, it's it's not great. Like you were you were kind of leading off saying it, it, we're back in the grind. We've got stuff happening. There's not a whole heap that screams out must watch football this week. Like I'm I'm thrilled to have it back in action. I'm going to be in no state myself to consume much of this, so it's probably a good one for me to miss. But there, there's not a lot of heavy hitting action. I think. The game day game that we will touch on is certainly intriguing and one that I wouldn't miss as a fan of college football. Two programs looking to really get something going this year. Uh, Exciting teams to watch as well. But outside of that, I don't know, it's just the ACC. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, we could well and truly say the same about the Big 12. I mean, maybe that's why they've taken the week off after they have just gone back into their little hovels, licking their wounds because they had such a fucking shit time of it last week. But let's jump into these game previews and we're going to start in the Big 12 because why not? Uh, This game got delayed last week, but Tulsa finally get Oklahoma State. We are sitting at... Oklahoma State are 23-point favorites at the moment, which seems like a lot, especially with how the Big 12 went last week. Um, But, I mean, I'll let you start on this one. Actually, you know what? I'm going to start on this one because I'll let you tee off at Miami and Louisville. So I'm going to go first here. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Oklahoma State hype is justified because there is a lot of noise coming out, particularly, again, on that offensive side. Uh, with Spencer Sanders, Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, uh, and can they get this thing moving at not Oklahoma State level, not Big 12 level, but national level to the point where they are a real contender? And we will see if that is the case. Um, On the flip side of that, you've got the Tulsa 
uh, Golden Hurricane, and they actually had a really good year last year. Zach Smith at quarterback will make some plays. They got Shamari Brooks in the backfield uh, at, at running back, and he's a really good piece. I think they're going to be able to move the ball against this Oklahoma State defense that is, you know, certainly okay, improved, but no defense in the Big 12 is is going to be super dominant. So I think we're actually going to see the ball actually get played up and down the field as per normal in, in such a conference. Um, but I also think on the flip side of that, you do need to stop the weapons that the Cowboys are going to trot out there on Saturday or Sunday here. And, and you possibly, by stopping or slowing down Spencer Sanders and Tylen Wallace, which is the way that college football has gone. The first week, it's going to be a little bit sloppy. It's going to be a little bit ugly. So they're going to lean on that running game. And that is a good game to lean on, led by Chuba Hubbard. Um, I think Oklahoma State win, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near that 23-point margin that has been indicated. Okay, I think that number's probably about right with where we're standing here. Obviously, any, there, mate. Well done. any big 12 team should be uh, on a little bit of a heightened alert after what we saw in <laughs> the first week there. But this Tulsa team wasn't very good last year. Uh, Oklahoma State have had it over their in-state rivals the last seven times that they've come up against them. And there's just a fairly significant talent gap between what Oklahoma State will be trotting out on offense and what Tulsa will have defensively. I agree with you. Tulsa's offense will be uh, fairly competent. And that's going to be enough to put up points against a Big 12 team. So they'll certainly have their opportunities there and move it. I'm excited to see what this Oklahoma State defense can look like this year with almost everyone coming back from last year's team that was fairly good, uh, relatively speaking. So there's an opportunity there for them to really flex some muscle and show out, I think. It's going to be sloppy like we saw in week one because this is a kickoff for both of these teams, but I, there's too much happening on the Oklahoma State offensive side of the ball for this one to stay close for long. Yeah, I mean, you say that Tulsa wasn't great last year, and don't be wrong, they, they lost some games that were close. I mean, they lost to SMU in overtime. Um, they played Cincinnati relatively tight, who were ranked at the time. They lost to Memphis by a point. They beat UCF. Um, you know, they weren't horrifically bad. And I think there were times where they looked really, really good, particularly moving the ball on the ground. So, you know, the first step in, in a team's progression is can you turn those close losses into close wins? I'm not saying they're going to go out there and beat uh, Oklahoma State this weekend, but I think that people are selling them fractionally short and suggesting that they're actually not a very good football team based on last year's results. And I don't think that's entirely accurate. So... Um, it should be a good one. I think it's still going to be a nervy start by Oklahoma State. And, you know, obviously you're going to be pouring some substances through your body this weekend um, heavily in the, uh, you know, on whatever volume of alcohol you're just going to riddle your veins with. So you're not probably not going to get too nervy about it, but I think this one's going to be a little bit closer than you expect. Okay. We'll see. All right, let's move into the uh, game day game of the week. And we have got two ranked teams, the only ranked matchup. We have got the Miami Hurricanes heading to Louisville. And like I said, take us away. Will, your thoughts on this one out of the gate? I think this is a really exciting matchup. And this is one that every college football fan should gear into this week. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what we want to see. I mean, two ranked teams, both dynamic offensively, uh, two and a half point line with Louisville as the favorite. And that's just purely because they're at home. Even with limited crowds in, you're going to get that advantage there. So it really is a, a line ball game here. Anything could happen. So I'm... I'm Really keen to see the outcome of this one. Uh, Miami were far, not quite convincing, but they were good enough against a team that they were much better than. They'll be better for the run. Derek King uh, got his feet wet in the ACC and will be able to continue on that trail there. So he'd be excited. Big Cam Ron 
the running back there, uh, who I'm uh, a big fan of in Miami, will certainly look to establish the run through him again. And if they're able to do that, that will help them go a long way towards winning this game. On the other side, uh, it's Mikhail Cunningham, who is the man at Louisville. Super exciting to watch. I think you've kind of drawn comparisons to Lamar Jackson light. Uh, and that's that's awesome. You know, college football is about these insane playmakers and he is one of those and he has the potential to really break out and be something really special so it's these sorts of games where those sorts of maturations happen and I'm not predicting that because I I would want to see some more but there's an opportunity for it and everyone who gets dialed in can say yeah I remember watching this game this is where he really made his mark and then went on to be something so for mine, certainly must-watch action of the weekend. Have to dial into it. It should be a barn burner. Uh, I'm hoping to still be alive at that time on Sunday morning. Perfect. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree, I agree with everything you've said. Like the, the focus point has to be the two QBs and their playmaking ability, their escape ability. I think Derek King is probably the better passer of the two. Mikhail Cunningham did get lucky last week. There was a couple of balls that should have just been straight intercepted and one of them went for like a 63 or 62-yard touchdown that should have been picked. It was a yuck throw into double coverage or even triple coverage. Um, and he's not going to be able to make those mistakes this week. Louisville going to run their stretch zone run uh, and, and look to play action off of that. Lots of, uh, you know, play action, misdirection and, and run that spread option football that they do. I think the biggest improvement for me that I've seen at Louisville is their defense. Their defensive front is aggressive. They come downhill hard. They're undersized, particularly on the interior. Uh, but their linebackers flow to the ball really fast and they're going to be disruptive in the backfield. So for the Canes to get that running game going, it's going to be really, really important. Uh, if there is a weakness for the Cardinals, I think the left side of that O-line, we, we, know we spoke so much about Mackay Becton last year at left tackle. He's gone off to the NFL. But there was times last week where Mikhail Cunningham got quick pressure from the left side and he didn't see it coming. He's not. His pocket awareness isn't super. Uh, he's a good runner in terms of a, a, a cold run. His escapability and pocket awareness is somewhat limited, and he is a half, a half field read kind of guy. So I think that's where the Canes can take advantage is along that defensive line. Uh, and I think both teams are going to want, the, want to run the ball. Rhett Lashley from Miami said he wants to run the ball. Scott Satterfield at Louisville says he wants to run the ball. And the team that runs the ball the best is going to win. Uh, I think whoever gets ahead of the chains on first down the most often is going to come away and win this one. I think if you force both those quarterbacks to stand back there and throw the ball, uh, you're you know playing into... Uh, some dangerous territory. I think Derek King's actually a legitimate passer. Mikhail Cunningham doesn't have the NFL arm talent or the vision and progression to be able to go and dominate. Having said that, Kane's secondaries have made some pretty average quarterback wide receiver combos look pretty good. I will give you one final fact before we do leave, though, and that is since 2005, Miami are 3-23. and against ranked opponents on the road. And of those three wins, two teams finished the season unranked and the other team was West Virginia who they beat in a bowl game. So it wasn't really even technically on the road. So that's not good numbers. And, and Manny Diaz has got, a, you know, he's got last year still hanging over his head about losses to LA Tech to FIU, to Duke, who weren't that good, to Virginia Tech, who had a down year. Um, so can he overcome that? Maybe, maybe not. But this is a big game for these Canes. And the more I think about it, the worse I feel because I think they're actually more talented. I think they've got better playmakers across the board. But ugh, I'm just nervous. Yeah, that is a damning statistic. Maybe I need to go back to my on-the-punt picks and have a look at that one because, shit, they uh, struggle away from Coral Gables by the looks of things. Yeah, I mean, and, and that has been something we've talked about. Like, they just, they're not that great outside of, like, beating up on 
FCS schools in like Power Five games, they're like running at about 500 over the past four or five or six years. So the Canes aren't exactly traveling well, and the hype is slightly overstated at this point. Having said that, I've seen a lot of picks picking Miami. I'm skeptical. I'm nervous. I I hope it's a good game. I hope it's close. Um, but I hope Miami finally get a signature win. Awesome. All right, let's move on to one of, or the second of two big 12 teams playing this weekend. And I think it's going to be an interesting game. I guess there's there's a little bit of intrigue around it. And that is Houston travel to Waco to play Baylor. This is the first time in 25 years these two in-state teams will square off, which sounds kind of crazy to me, but they used to be in the same conference, not so much anymore. I like Dana Holgerson. I liked him when he was at West Virginia. I like Dave Aranda. He comes across from his national championship defensive coordinator position at LSU last year. Um, So I think the coaching is good. The teams, on the other hand, I don't know how I feel about them. Houston haven't been that great since the departure of Tom Herman. Um, And like I said, Baylor is starting a new man in the head chair. So What's this game going to look like? Well, Dana Holgerson's been loading this one up for nearly 12 months now when he started sitting players and getting them to red shirt partway through the season and just kind of put that thing in the tank building to this year. So he returns a whole heap on defense, which may or may not be good. And they should have a pretty explosive passing game. So I think Houston should be okay. Again, it's going to depend on who gets out of the gates quickest. I am shocked at how close the line is in this game. It's it's really surprised me that Baylor only go in as five point favourites, four and a half point favourites is where I've seen the line. Which I've seen it even lower than that. I've seen it come down to two and a half. It started at a field. Uh, sorry, it started at a touchdown, and it's come all the way crashing down. Which, from a gambling perspective, you like betting against public money. I'm assuming yeah, that's absolutely. something you've said in the past. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't know what's if there's like a COVID update that I'm missing out of Baylor and half the team ain't fucking playing but that just doesn't seem right to me this Houston team was not very good last year they were very much in rebuild mode they went four and eight uh, including two and six across the AAC which is not good their return uh, a quarterback in Clayton Tune who they'd be expecting much better results from uh, he did throw for over 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns last year, but he tossed nine interceptions with that. Those are ugly numbers. And whilst Baylor does have a new head man and they lost some very talented players, including their all-star wide receiver Denzel Mims, they do have Charlie Brewer back. And he is an above-average quarterback who will be able to get them going early. They're, they're not in full rebuild mode it's not a complete teardown job for Dave Aranda with Matt Rule leaving and I think that they're going to win this one quite comfortably so I'm surprised to see that I don't know what it is that I don't know is happening here because it's being played (laughs) in Baylor as well this is a home game for the Bears I think like with with the the nervy start by the Big Twelve, I'm not saying that, that you know every game's different and a, a new week is a new week, so that shouldn't play into the betting lines, obviously. But I think you know new coach, new offensive and defensive coordinator, a defense that has been uh, you know they lost a lot of players last year that that Baylor defense, um, and I have to agree with the public here. I think Houston are gonna win this game. I just have got a feeling, I rate Dana Holgerson as a coach. We don't know much about Dave Aranda as a game day coach and manager. We know that he can call a defense, um, but, you know, great. He's calling a defense that's going to be under-resourced a fraction and an offense that may be less than explosive first time out of the gate. So I'm taking Dana Holgerson and the Cougs. Interesting. Mm. Nervous again, aren't you? Well, we will be touching on this one a little bit later in the piece. Ah, okay. Well, I hope we don't get too close to each other on our bold predictions or on the punt stuff. All right, let's push on. Uh, This one should be quick, but Boston College kick their season off by heading to Duke. Uh, Boston get their new head coach, Jeff Hafley, underway 
heading to Durham, taking on a Blue Devils team that lost to Notre Dame last week, but played them relatively close. I was semi-impressed by the Duke offense, and I was harder than semi on the defense. I think they were actually pretty reasonable up front. Um, They played good, sound, uh, gap-sound defense against uh, a team that was far more talented than them in the Fighting Irish uh, the issue for them is going to be on the offensive side and, and can they run the ball because they couldn't last week and this week they have to you know square off against a BC linebacking core led by John Lamont who's a really, really good one. I think they step it up after their loss to Notre Dame who you know now BC have got to go for their first game on the road, new head coach, new quarterback. Again, I've said this all season, underprepared, that doesn't sit well with me. Duke will be better for their run last week, and I'm taking the Blue Devils in this one. I am so glad we are not on the same page with any of these at the moment because I like the Eagles in this one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and I can't put my fucking finger on why because you make very good arguments against them. New head coach, new quarterback, new system, no time to prepare. <laughs> And Duke looked pretty good last week against a, a good Notre Dame team. So logic stands that this one shouldn't be close. But that said, Duke is only six-point favourites in this one. Mm. And I don't think they're very good. Uh, I think Boston will have a really good run game this year and that they will lean on that. And that will be enough for them to spring the upset this week. So... Although A.J. Dillon has departed for the NFL, he is going to be replaced by David Bailey, who is another really, really exciting uh, rusher of the football to watch. Does he have the calf game that A.J. Dillon has? I don't think anyone has the calf game that A.J. Dillon does. But he is another big bruising back. Uh, He went for over 800 years last year. uh, 800 years? 800 800 yards. At over... Five and a half uh, yards per carry, and that's with AJ Dillon on the team. So I expect him to step up. They had Zay Flowers, who was a really talented receiver uh, as a freshman last year. So I'm. This is not so much that I think Boston College are going to be great this year because I don't think they will be. It's more I don't think Duke will be either. It will be a tight tussle. I'm going to go with the team that's going to run the ball better, and that's Boston. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. You could talk me off that ledge as well, but I'm taking Duke. So we are going opposites here the whole way, mm. which is always good value against you based on your betting history. So <laughs> yeah. You could be in for a big week. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on. Only a couple of games to get to in detail now. Uh, I'm going to mention this one. I don't know how much air time or how much time you've put into this, but this is my unexpectedly good game of the week, and that is App State at Marshall. Now, there's not a lot of big games on this week, so these guys probably, in a normal season, probably wouldn't get too much action on our show or many shows, really, but this game is shaping up to be a really, really good one. App State are a fantastic program and have been for have been that way for a number of years under a number of different coaches. And last week they beat Charlotte. They outgained them on the back of Marcus Williams and Cameron Peoples, who both had 100-yard games. So they're going to look to run that outside zone game, similar to what Louisville does. And I mentioned them before. UAB does it as well. And so does San Francisco 49ers. It's a staple of their game. And this run game put up over 300 yards last week. So they're going to need to stop that run game uh, and force the ball into the hands of their quarterback at App State, Zach. Thomas. Zach, Zach, Zach. Can't think of his last name. Thomas? Zach no. Thomas, yes. It is Zach Thomas. Zach Thomas. There we go. Look at me go. Um, on the other side of that, Marshall had the week off. They beat Eastern Kentucky, who are not very good. But against them, they only allowed seven first downs. They're going to need a similar effort again to keep the Mountaineers in check. Obviously, they're not going to keep them to seven first downs but if they can have a similar defensive game in terms of restricting scoring restricting uh the running game they're going to be able to hang around and i think the the real highlight out of that game two weeks ago was freshman grant wells who had a 300 yard four touchdown game from the quarterback position and he sits behind a senior laden offensive line who are really really strong really really good for marshall so Expect this one to be, I think, relatively high scoring. It could be kind of like the last 
or the team with the ball last maybe wins. But I reckon this will be a sneaky good game this week. Yeah, I think that's a good call. This has got a certain close line to it. So I think it's about four and a half points that App State are favoured. For me, I feel like that's mainly around the fact that uh, the Mountaineers did not look very good last week against Charlotte. And Charlotte, um, historically, not a very good football program. So they certainly would need to look to improve on that in a step up in competition but I think they will I think that's what those first games are for to knock out a bit of rust Zach Thomas is set for a big year he was disappointing last week I expect him to step up his game and to start to get things humming around I'm big on this App State team this year I've mentioned this a couple of times I'm going to continue to ride them here I think they win uh, and they do it relatively comfortably yeah, I always like taking a home dog, uh, which Marshall are in this one. I don't think they're good enough to beat App State, but as an entertaining, neutral spectator, this has got like, you know, group of five quality college football written all over it. Some funky stuff will happen. There'll be some weird special teams um, kind of setups here. Maybe a punter just like has a snap that hits him square in the head or something. And, you know, just hilarious things will happen. Um, so watch out for that one. The last game I do want to spend a bit of time on is UCF at Georgia Tech. And I'm intrigued in this one because I want to see if Georgia Tech are the real deal. And they get a genuine contest here, a genuine challenge against a UCF team that continually is ranked highly both in the polls um, and in terms of their gameplay ability from many media outlets. There's still going to be growing pains for this Georgia Tech team, um, but at home against a ranked team, I think they're going to be good to go and, and they can gain some confidence from last year. Their young freshman quarterback can settle into his season now. They've got that first one out of the way and I'm looking for them to really push this UCF Knights team. Yeah, I went into my review of this game thinking that too, but then the more I looked at it, the more I kind of stood back like... Beating Florida State isn't the win that we think it is. It's not all that impressive. It's more that Florida State are still in a disappointing place and not a powerful program that we should really appreciate someone knocking over. It's just not where they're at anymore. UCF are routinely knocked down. I think at the moment, though, at least the pollsters are kind of big on them. They've got them in at 14 or something at the moment, which which is huge. I know we've made a bit of noise about the fact that they had 10 players leave the program or opt out on the back of the pandemic. I think it's worth noting that eight of those were not starters and not going to be significant contributors. Uh, and like, yeah, depth is a thing. I think that might play its course more so over the season rather than in, in these early matchups i don't think it's going to be as huge as we might think uh ucf uh, are going to be the better team in this one dylan gabriel is back he was very good last year they run a very efficient system there they're a good team to watch this is another one that if i if i'm uh Having having a viewing session this weekend, I'm certainly trying to dial into this one. I think that the Knights will look to go all right in this one. The line feels about a right with Georgia Tech, uh, a touchdown underdogs. I think that's, that's probably about right for me. Um, I'll be steering clear of it, but I would expect UCF to walk away with the chocolates. Yeah. Uh, I see that. That makes sense, uh, I suppose. I just think that, again, UCF haven't played one yet. They haven't got that game in the bank. Georgia Tech do. Uh, you know, they're at home. And can they double down here? And, and I think you give them a chance. They, If they can create some havoc, create some turnovers, I could see them pulling this one out. I know UCF's going to score quickly, and that doesn't bode well for Georgia Tech. We're not really sure on Georgia Tech's defense. Are they actually that good? And we know that probably UCF are actually the more talented team. But oh, I, I just think that potentially, if they're ever going to get them, now's not like this is the time. So I think this is a good one for Georgia Tech. So you might, I might buy into that a little bit later in the show. Other games, 
that you may want to discuss. Talk to me. Jump in if you want to discuss any of these. Will, but Clemson at Citadel. I mean, that'll be at home, sorry. Clemson uh, versus the who Citadel. Who did the Citadel knock off Florida State? Uh, Virginia Tech was it Virginia yeah, was yeah it? Virginia Tech yeah good call um, that ain't that ain't happening here <laughs> new 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 they're going to make them look like a high school team um, Wake Forest at NC State does that move the needle for you at all not for me my friend I just can't like NC State have fallen so far since like Mike Glennon Jacoby Brissett years where they were like consistently good particularly offensively and they're just not now they've been really really disappointing they they sort of used to fill the void that perhaps a Louisville team at the moment is being a real challenger they'd win a game or two here they'd push teams hard at home they're just not doing that at the moment and yeah this game's set up to be a bit of a snooze fest I think in terms of genuine entertainment for the for the neutral supporter Syracuse at Pitt, anything on the Pitt defense? I mean, maybe Pitt gets a full 60-minute game this week. Yeah, they looked really, really good week one. I mean, it was against substandard competition, but that's what you want. Nice tune up there, so they will look to continue that. And that defense is good. Syracuse offense is bad. That's going to be the story of this one. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame face South Florida. Is there anything to get excited about for the Bulls who – had a pretty bad offense last year and are going to look to somehow do some damage against the Irish. I am excited to see our boy Trent Schneider get a lot of work in this game. I'm expecting him to. I think they're going to struggle to move the ball against that Notre Dame team, but he can certainly have himself a day out and hopefully put up some big numbers. And the last game of the week is the Campbell Fighting Camels, who are very quickly slotting into the... uh, role that that Louisville were supposed to take in my heart this year but the Camels visit Coastal Carolina so they play another FBS school which is really good for them and maybe just maybe this is the week that they can squeak by and get a really really high profile win no not against a very good Chanticleers outfit do love myself a chance to clear all right that takes us through all the games all the previews for the week so watch the miami louisville one if not maybe head out and grab some lunch or mow the lawn or fix the swings or i don't know drop me a line come have a beer with me fuck i don't know like yeah (laughs) okay uh, all right, let's get into the championship draft. So I'm really looking forward to this. And I have very quickly Googled the AP Top 25 because I feel like I'm going to change my vote. But this year we have a budget. Uh, I have won the previous two seasons, by the way. just wanted to throw that in there. But we have got a budget. I think I've got one. No. You have $4 in the bank. I've got $4 in the bank. Thank you. I'm glad you're keeping track of this. I've got $4 in the bank. I own Clemson, obviously. Tennessee and Louisville. Uh, Now, each team is worth a corresponding dollar amount based on where they are ranked. Any unranked team is worth a big fat donut. We get them for free. We can trade one team in, one team out per week. So, we can only ever have a maximum of three, I'm assuming, William. No, you can build up as many teams as you like. It's just within your budget, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you can so only bring in one. You can only correct. Make... It's only one purchase, one sale each week. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But you don't have to sell if you don't want to. Yeah. Um, with this week's one, just a quick look back. So you obviously grab Clemson, Tennessee, and Louisville. All good moves by the looks of things. So Clemson looked to be the best team in the country, going after that bonus $20 that is going to be assigned to the team that wins the national championship. Tennessee were the big market movers, so they made, uh, I think it was the most money out of any team. Both them and Memphis pocketed their owners $10 if they had of Adam. So great selection there, mate. Uh, You also grabbed Louisville, who went from unranked all the way up to... 18, making you $8 in the progress there. So $18 in profit this week, which is pretty good considering you only had the two teams move. That's, it's, it's excellent. That's great. Uh, on my side, I had Miami, uh, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame. So Miami were just behind your uh, Tennessee 
volunteers there and, and jumped up significantly, making me $9 profit there. Cincinnati moved up well into 13th overall, uh, making me $7. And Notre Dame had a slight bump, jumping up a few spots, making me $3. So... That's where we're at. You've got four bucks in the bank. I've got eight bucks in the bank. You're up first because I selected first. So what do you want to do? Are you selling, buying? Where are you at? Um, wait, so I need to work out what my dollar amount is worth here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So Louisville is worth $8. Correct. Just ask me. I've got it all up here in front of me. Okay, uh, I think I am going to sell the Cardinals. Clever. Um, because I just don't think they're worth holding on to for this week. Um, so I'm going to sell them. I'm going to bank that eight bucks, which gives me 12 clams. Great math. Thank you. And I am going to pick up very nervously... I'm going to take Georgia Tech. Oof. Okay. They're not so costing me a cent. They, they are not. But I'm going to go with Tech, I think. Okay. Only because I see them being able to move them. If they get the win, you know, they're not costing me anything. If they get a win, they're going to jump relatively high. Um, so, yeah. No, I like it, mate. Uh, uh, all right, I'll make my trade then. Very similar vein to you, so I'm going to sell my shares in Miami. Uh, <laughs> no one's confident in this. No, well, it just shows that it's going to be a good game because neither of us really have a great deal of confidence. And I don't think if you win it, it really propels you forward all that much either. I think the yeah. risk-reward there really isn't there. Yeah. So I'm going to sell the Canes for $9, mm-hmm. uh, taking my kitty up to 17 in the bank. And I'm going to uh, follow follow in a you're similar vein. You're to not you. sure what you're doing here. Well, you no, I've, I've got a couple uh, because I wasn't sure which direction you were going to go. But I'm going to go a cheaper option here. I'm going to spend three dollars on the Appalachian State Mountaineers. I think they're going to beat Marshall and they're going to continue to climb. And as I expected in my season long bold prediction we're going to go undefeated and that'll get them I don't know in the top 10 somewhere so I'll take App State for three bucks alright I feel like you're scoping out my strategy I feel like my strategy is quite clear at the moment Um, but I don't I don't know that I've got a great read on what you're trying to achieve here Um, so yeah so you currently now hold App State Notre Notre Dame. Dame And Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Correct. Right. So you're actually collecting quite a good little crew here. I have got Tennessee, Clemson, and now an unranked Georgia Tech. And I'm putting some eggs in that basket to to get a win over UCF this weekend. So that could go down in flames. But hey, you know, what do you say? Shooters shoot their shot or something? Exactly. The other one I was looking at this week was Pitt. Yeah, so was I actually. I think they're Um, a good shot to win this week. They play Louisville next week, which I actually fancy them in. They'll be at home at that one, and there's a real opportunity to jump. So maybe maybe we'll look forward to that, but uh, that was where my head was at also. The only issue that I do see is not too many teams are going to drop out. Like, if Miami-Louisville is close, yeah, they'll drop a few spots, but like Virginia Tech, I, I don't even know that they're playing this week. Um, so will they, you know, not move army? No, they, they were COVID delayed with their Virginia yeah, game. Yeah, like B, BYU, like they probably need a win. Kentucky aren't playing. App State, yeah, cool. They beat Marshall who, you know, aren't that special, but they're not probably going to jump Miami. I don't know. So it, it seems like down the lower part, it is going to be hard to determine. At what point, and I'm glad we haven't done this yet, at what point do Big Ten teams... <laughs> come on board and like can i take ohio state for free next week that's a great call and we're going to need to discuss the the options here uh offline and then we'll we'll come up with a plan because i assume when they come back in they're actually just going to slot back in as almost certainly almost certainly like there's no way they're going in 
cold, raw, if you will. Anyway, uh, something for us to discuss and for the season to develop. All right, let's keep this dog and pony show moving. It is bold prediction time, one of your favorite segments, Will. I'll let you kick things off. So each week we pick a prediction that we think could happen mostly um they have to be on the bold side though if they're not if they're too easy if you're like yeah clemson's going to beat the citadel that just does not cut it so they have to be bold they have to be out there what have you got for us this week william i just want to first mention that i'm a little bit disappointed uh i think some of your audio uh work that you've been dropping in that i'm sure our listeners have picked up uh lately has been excellent like it's been really good, but I can really tell the segments of mine that you don't really care for because you haven't gone out and got me a drop. Like your own stuff, you're certainly in there mixing it up and making it sound all, all professional. For this, it's just nothing. Well, to, to be fair, like what, what, what do you want in there? Look, what do you want? Look, I, Talk to me. What sort of sound do you want? Do you want like a giant erection sound? Is that what you're going for? Bold prediction? You want if something you could, bold? If you could find that, I would like that, yes. Okay. All right. I'll find that for next week. We'll get that sound in there so that we can we can get those bold... Like an air raid siren. Bold. I think an air raid siren is good. For bold predictions? Yeah. Okay. Do you want something for championship draft? <laughs> is that what Let, you want as well? Let's... let's Let's figure this stuff out. All right, my bold I'm prediction. Nuke these, this I'm going to nuke these segments for you. All right, <laughs> let's go. Come on. I am calling a Texas two-step. Uh, so my favorite dance. Uh, this week we have in-state rivals. Sorry, dude. You wanted sound drops. I'm giving them to you. Uh, like, uh, you know. I am going to have nightmares about that sound now. Like I'm going to be lying in bed. And that's going to go off. And it's just going to really irk me. Mate, you ask and I deliver. All right, sorry, what were you saying? Something really boring. In-state rivals, well, not rivals, but in-state competitors, North Texas and SMU are going head-to-head this week. North Texas currently two touchdown underdogs. I think that they are going to one step, two step over that and upset the Mustangs on the back of an impressive offensive display. This North Texas team can really move the ball. SMU were very disappointing in their opener against Texas State. So I am expecting North Texas to walk away with this one and provide the big upset. Okay. Cool. I mean, we'll all be dialed into that barn burner, no doubt. All right. (laughs) I am going to get into mine and... For me this week, the Big 12 fails to impress again. And with only two Big 12 teams playing, that means I'm uh, stating correctly, obviously, that Oklahoma State will win, but they won't cover. So I'm taking Tulsa plus the points. And Baylor lose to Houston outright. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm glad you're going this angle because I'm sick of you ragging on the Big 12. And when this doesn't play out and it goes the complete opposite, I'm going to come in here with a giant fucking head. Well, bigger than it already is? A little bit, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's interesting because you rag on the ACC a fair bit um, and unjustifiably so as well. But as soon as the Big 12 start dragging their ass through, you know, Arkansas State or, you know, whoever else from last week, you know, all of a sudden you start getting touchy-feely and you get on the defensive. Maybe just own it. Understand that your conference is five out of five in terms of the powers and just understand that, you know what? Take the loss. Take the L. Wear it like a man. Don't go and start bitching and moaning about the ACC being America's conference. I want, uh, I request us to cut this sound drop so that I can also play this next week as part of what I'm getting at you with. All right, let's move on to On the Fun. Here comes the money. I mean, <laughs> that, that sound drop's not even right anymore, is it? Like, here comes the debt. <laughs> 
<laughs> would be more accurate. Is there some song that talks about how much debt someone has? I'm sure there'd be a country music song because they just talk about like real life shit. And all, <laughs> all of us live in heaps of debt. So I'm sure we'd be able to find something there. Unfortunately, we did not start well on the punt. Uh, we, we had three picks last week and multied them all up together. Should have multied up the opposite of all of them to make my money back. It did not happen, did not hit on any of them. The, the whole 10 units went down the drain so we are pushing shit uphill this year so in already. light of that already, already. already. And, and you came in this year saying you know what I always start well I always get out the Correct. blocks early Correct. and it goes downhill which I see as a positive because <laughs> I always start well and then finish poorly this year we're, we're reversing it up which means this year end of the year we're going to be in the positive so Tune in, my friends. I have uh, a change in strategy for you. The three games wasn't working for me. We're changing it up. The new strategy that I am going to be applying is that we are <laughs> this going. This is going to be good. We are going to let it ride. So we are going to pick one game <laughs> a week. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? One game a week where we will apply eighty percent of our total kitty. So not just the 10 units, 80% of the total kitty, which at the moment is minus 10, but we're, we're loading in another 10. 80% of our 10 units on <laughs> so one back game. To zero. And then we're going to keep that going. And then I'm going to pick one upset outright with the other two units. Okay. So there is a little bit of hedging in this, but uh, I'm certainly backing myself in to just pick a winner every week. What could go wrong? So to lead things off, normally when I'm picking this winner, it's going to be like a team to win. And it'd be like a dollar forty, dollar thirty sort of thing. Like I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna play the odds. I'm just gonna play it safe. But in light of the disappointing start, I'm fucking <laughs> swinging for the fences. I feel really confident about this one. Baylor are going to beat Houston, and oh, they're going to beat them by so more than four and a half. My pick. I feel so much better about my pick of Houston now. They're going to win by more than four and a touchdowns. Point. So we're putting eight units on that. Baylor. Minus four and a half is where I got it. If the money is flowing even more in that direction, eat it up. That, that's easy. You know, you, they, they're going to win by more than a touchdown. They're going to win by more than two touchdowns. Baylor will win <laughs> this comfortably. We'll put so some there, money on that. There's, there's eight units there. The other one, my upset this week is Boston College to beat Duke. So you can get 290 for that uh, straight up. I think that's a fair shout. I think it's more line ball than that, so we're going to roll the dice on the Eagles. Okay, I would be... I don't hate the BC-Duke game. I would pick the other team, but I I, I don't hate leaning into that game a little bit. I think the Baylor-Houston one, I would just steer clear of it, but that would be me. Uh, I think until this season settles in, maybe steer clear of most gambling opportunities... This is That's where the heap, money's made. It's a heap boring outcome, but uh, that would be my suggestion. Anyway, well, thank you, Will. So you've got, uh, what did you say? Baylor minus the points and Duke to go down. Sorry, BC to win outright. Correct. Okay. All right. So there goes another 10 units. Uh, do the exact opposite of that and you should be cheering. All right, that brings us to the end of our week three preview show. As always, please, as I spruik away here, please do join us on Instagram and Twitter at CFB Down Under and Facebook as well. We're starting to get some traction in that space. So please do join, particularly if you are an Australian, you're part of the Australian college football community um, or anybody really as well. Like So from all over the globe, please do join us at college football down under or at cfb on facebook as well Uh, make sure you leave us a five-star review on itunes make sure you subscribe to the podcast tell your friends let's continue to build this up as season 2020 gets rolling and do not forget hit me up say i love the south pole i love your analysis will we want more of it fuck aaron well the last bit's a bit harsh yeah but but uh, if that's what the people want to write then that's you know well, at least put F star, star, star. I mean, that would be at least a little nicer. Anyway, um, now we will not be joined by Will on our Sunday recap show. I do get to announce that we're going to be joined by Alabama's own 
John Drew Aiken III, which will be fantastic. Um, he's going to bring a wealth of knowledge about the SEC. We're still going to go over our game recaps. We're still going to be able to talk shit about Will. We'll be able to tell you how much money he lost and we'll be able to gloat about my bold prediction regardless of Will's presence or not. Um, so it should be a fantastic show. We'll get that one out early this week. So please do join us then on behalf of Will Murden up there in the wild, wintry and windy Adelaide Hills. For myself down here on the plains, my name's Aaron Kemp. That's Will Murden and we will see you next time.